I want to start tonight's podcast talking about bonds, not stock market bonds, though I hear in 2019 that might be the less volatile financial way to go, but don't take your financial advice from me. I, I drink whiskey and talk for a living, and my current financial plan is with the Ohio Lottery, hoping that I, <laughs> that I win more than I lose in Keno. I want to talk about the other bonds, the bonds of relationships, the bonds of friendships, and how those bonds actually begin. Sometimes they are innocuous. You don't even realize that they're happening. You, you might not even remember when they happen. I'll give you a perfect example of what I'm talking about. Two gentlemen right here. John Whitney, our video producer for our YouTube channel. When I was a, a young upstart of a comic, just starting out in the business, full of everything that I needed, cockiness, assertiveness, and uh, the belief that I was gonna be huge. Uh, John Whitney was also a, a filmmaker, an aspiring one, early in his career. And we met and did a, uh, a documentary way, way back when. And after that, we kind of drifted. Years later, years later, our mutual talents, whatever you want to call it, brought us back together to end up being uh, writing partners, producing partners, and filmmaking partners on various small short films, and I might add an award, festival award-winning feature film, The Street Where We Live. More details on that somewhere down the line. But what I'm saying is, is that that initial bond back then probably meant nothing at the time, but it was something that started things and eventually brought us back together. Is that how it works with you? I don't know. Greg Hansberry, our audio producer for Whiskey Business, was our producer at Sunny 95 back in the day when we all worked at the radio station together. Greg left for greener pastures, better opportunities. Those green pastures turned brown and the crop did not yield what he <laughs> thought it would. And he came back to Sunny 95. And because we started with that initial bond back then, I honestly can say, Hansberry, that your second go-round was actually stronger oh, yeah. and tighter. For sure. I think we became closer. And now he's the producer of Whiskey Business. And it's just, it amazes me that you don't always know how bonds begin. But if there is a bond there, it shows itself eventually in friendships, in relationships, and sometimes even with your guests on Whiskey Business. Hi, I'm Dina Tripodis, and welcome to Whiskey Business, a podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey, and a good one from the uh, New Riff Distillery, uh, the New Riff Single Barrel. As you guys recall, I gave you bottles of New Riff uh, to kick off the new year. This is it. the Single Barrel, 111.8 uh, proof. It's got a nice high rye content. It's spicy. It's savory. New Riff is doing some incredible things. Uh, for those of you who are in the know with bourbon, they're also responsible for the OKI bourbon, uh, which stands for Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana, which if you have a bottle, treasure it, because from what I understand, they will be few and far between, and eventually once they're out, they will stay out as New Riff continues to do wonderful things with whiskey. And this one uh, ranges between, uh, to, it, once again, it's hard to say. I think at one point it was 49, now it's 69. Uh, good luck. But the New Riff single barrel is, is excellent, and I've poured it for all four of us, John Whitney, Greg Hansberry, 
And as I mentioned right from the get-go in respects to Bonds, our guest, who is Mark Hoyk, we're taking advantage of a fact that he is in Ohio. He currently lives in Los Angeles, California, where he'll be celebrating his 20th year in that crazy city. Mark Hoyk is um, a blogger. You may have read it. If you haven't, uh, The Projector Has Been Drinking is a most excellent blog on film and, well, kind of goes all over the place. Mm -hmm. It really Just covers... Just wh wh whatever yeah. subject moves me that nobody else has deigned to write about. Exactly. He also, um, uh, also writes for the New Beverly Cinema as well. In a, more historical pieces. That's the cinema owned by Quentin Tarantino. That's correct. And uh, you actually worked there at one point. I, I uh, briefly was a projectionist there for uh, roughly a year, and I programmed a series there. Mm -hmm. And then uh, when Quentin took over full operation in uh, 2014, uh, I segued into a job at El Rey Network uh, doing research for Robert Rodriguez's uh, interview show, The Director's Chair. So he brought in his own projection crew at that uh -huh. time. But then after uh, I was let go by El Rey, he brought me in to do my current duties as a writing for the blog. He also does a DVD commentary. We'll get into that a little bit later about some of the DVDs that he's worked on and the one he's working on currently. And for those of you who... Uh, our fans of Comedy Central, he was on Beat the Geeks, which was one of the mm -hmm. greatest shows ever on Comedy Central, and you were one of the best geeks ever. We'll we, get to that as well. I just want to, I'm just kind of setting mm -hmm. you up for so many things that we need to talk about, but the thing I want to start with, my friend, mm -hmm. is that you and I go back 30 plus years at yes. this point. When you were, uh, we, 19. You were 19 years of age. Uh, Hoyk dabbled in comedy. You went up on open mic nights. Mm -hmm. You did give it a shot. You went up there, and you were smart. I thought you were funny. And uh, um, the one thing that we talked about, uh, so when you were 19, how old are you now? Uh, I will be in on in July. I will be fifty. You will be fifty. So there's about a good there's about a good ten years between us. Yes. So when you were 19, um, I was uh, 30. 30, yeah, yeah. And then we, that's about the time I started doing stand-up. I started doing stand-up mm -hmm. when I was 30. And the one thing I said to you back then that I remember to this day was I, 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 I didn't always get what you were doing on stage as a comedian, but I was so enamored at the writing. And what did I say to you way back then? You were talking about the writing. I said, no matter what you do, in this world, don't stop writing. Be the creative mm -hmm. person that you are because you're an excellent, excellent writer. Well, you, you, you were most correct there. Um, you, it dates back to uh, Columbus used to have a uh, summer arts camp called Days of Creation. And when I was living in Cincinnati, my father found out about it. And for two years, I went to this camp. And at that time... I wanted to act. It was a summer camp? Yeah. They, Days of creation. Yeah. It like, sounds biblical. <laughs> well, it's like a lot of the primary staff lived in Columbus. I think the campsite was in London. And I, for two summers, I went there, and I wanted, and I was 
focusing on acting, but a lot of the counselors were saying, oh, what his real gift is his writing. And at first I thought, but I haven't written anything. How do you know that? And it, But it was when we were doing improvisational games, mm-hmm. the scenarios I was coming up with and the ideas that were in my head. So they knew, you knew, and I was a little late to the party. Mm, yeah, but eventually you caught up. Oh, yes. Yeah. Do you consider yourself to be a writer now? I do. You should. As well you should. Mm-hmm. I mean, the blogs, the commentaries, the everything that the you do. The unproduced screenplays. Oh, uh, uh, that's a gem I have for later as mm-hmm. well. You started trying to do stand-up. Yes. Were you disappointed that you didn't make that work or make it click? Um, A little bit in the sense that when I moved to L.A. in 99, I was following this big... Ohio exodus. There right. were all these guys, uh, Jack Thomas, uh, Mike Loftus, Jake Anarino, you know, all, there was this progression of people going to LA and I figured, all right, I've got a support system. I got guys who know me, you know, I'm going to be able to follow in their footsteps. My only regret was I was not still in Los Angeles when you moved out to Los Angeles. Yeah. It's like I came back mm-hmm. in, uh, 94, and it's almost like, okay, there's a spot open, Hoyt, go. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, um, so, and I, to this day, I love the art form. I love the fact of the minimalism of just you and a microphone and the stuff in your head. And, um, like, I think, I, I never say that I've given it up for good because I have a Twitter account and I'm constantly posting jokes there, mm-hmm. the kinds of stuff that I would have turned into stand-up. There's a lot of different ways you can get your comedy out there now. Yes. What you're saying. And yeah. so, I've, so I've never completely abandoned it. I, I miss it in that... When, like when I was doing it here in Ohio and for, for, the, for a spell in L.A., the people that I got to see on a regular basis and banter with after the show, the the after hours coffee clatches, mm-hmm. those are the those are the things that I miss most. Did you realize even when you started doing stand up way back when back here mm-hmm. in Columbus, did it ever cross your mind that you were too hip for the room? Oh, always. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that um, I that just the 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 kind I I mean I never really wanted to do. You know the same stuff that everyone else was doing. I and, knew and, that I and, needed to and create did, my own niche, and you didn't. And uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't know if if this was a description I gave myself or if somebody else gave it to me. But that at one time I was like, I, I, I think somebody described me as the Kubrick of comedy. You know that I was. <laughs> oh, that's that's uh, yeah. That that's a great description. I, that I would go. That I would. It would take me a long time to create some sort of weird esoteric thing that I'd come on stage with. But once I did it, the fact that I that I was the one doing it, and people were saying, "Oh, okay," you know that that yeah that. I mean, me personally, I mean, it wasn't I, so much that I thought I was too hip for the room. It was that people were saying, oh, you're you're a New York comedian. It's like, no, New York would eat me alive. It was like mm-hmm. I was I was a platypus. I was Maybe. too Midwest for New York, and I was too New York for the Midwest. I, you know, thinking back to those days, I don't know if that's entirely true. That might have been just a self-doubt on your part. Maybe. Your part. But, you know, speaking of, like, being the Kubrick of comedy, you would get 
uh, on open mic nights, you would get uh, three to five minutes, five to seven minutes, mm-hmm. and sometimes Hoyk would have uh, one premise that took every one of those minutes yes, <laughs> to get to. Mm-hmm. I, want to. I want to see some of this stuff. Are there some YouTube videos out there floating around? Uh, there, there's, there's, as yet, there's no YouTube of me doing stand-up. I think I've still That's got some tapes. That's a damn shame. That's a damn shame. Have you got some videotapes? I've probably got, you know, the, you know, the tapes that I sent to, like, you know, uh, you know Tom Sobel to mm-hmm. try and get time out of him. Uh, and I think maybe like one of my comics for Christmas gigs uh, for, that I did in Circleville back in the oh, I might, oh, I might have that. I might have oh, that no, on DVD. Uh, the, I the, might the, have that. The, the, uh, I don't know. I can't quite call it a headline gig, but one of the comics for Christmas gigs I did, I still remember so fondly because uh, it was in a theater that was doing community theater and they left the stage <laughs> set up. And it was, I, love it I think they were doing a picnic by William N. And so there's like a uh, like a doorway and an entrance there and a was. porch. There was. And so I, you know, they introduce me and I, you know I come through the door and first I sing, "It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood." And you know I looked at the stage and I said, "Welcome to the Tennessee Williams Christmas Special." Uh. And to that, and to me, that was just throwing down the gauntlet. Did they of, laugh? I can't remember if they laughed at that. I think they, they should have. They should have oh, yeah. laughed hard. They should have laughed hard. Yes, I I mean, he's a genius. He should be in New York. Well, I you see, if, he's a platypus. If, if Wikipedia had been around at the time, you know, everybody could have just gotten on their right. iPhones and checked the references. Tennis. And then I laughed wanted, a couple minutes later. Yes. Yeah, that it was. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, no. Yeah. Remember, uh, I think it was Geechee guy who said, oh "You know, God. some of these are joke grenades. You got to pull out the pin and wait eight seconds for the laugh." Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that that. I you know I, I think in my standup I used to say if you don't get any of these references there'll be an 800 number you can call <laughs> afterwards to get them all explained. All right, so if if you, if you weren't if you were too hip for the room, maybe there were times where you're just too smart for the room. I mean, mm-hmm. you're a smart smart guy. Yeah, you're a very intelligent man, but you did end up using the comedy, mm-hmm. and it and ironically enough, when guys were struggling in the business, you know, trying to get on television. You score a gig on Comedy Central. Yes. Uh, the biggest, dumbest luck of my life was getting Beat the Geeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the way that came about was... Now, I Beat w- the Geeks we can find on YouTube. Yes? It's very hard. Really? It's Comedy Central Archives. Well, but, well, Fox Television produced the show with Comedy Central, so I think they own the copyright on it. Because it seems like... Most times when someone has uploaded something from Beat the Geeks, Fox, you know, they're, Fox is very vigilant about pulling their stuff off of YouTube when it's not licensed. So it seems like every time somebody puts something up on from Beat the Geeks, a month later, you know, the computer would pull it down. Interesting. Uh, and, and plus, um, you know, fuck it, I can say it, that I was supposed to get residuals after the 10th airing of an episode. Right. So after nine airings, they stopped airing them. 
That's why you never see it in reruns on Game Show Network or any of the other places where, you know, you can see match games from the 70s. I mean, you can probably still see Kennedy hosting friend or foe, but you, uh, no. Fox Television took the tapes, buried them, and salted the ground. Oh we are God. never going to see Beat the Geeks again. If you taped them, hold on to those tapes because they're gold. I'm going to keep a good thought. On that same note, um, especially in the last five to ten years, I would think that that premise for that show, since since geeks are hip and fashionable and 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 so forth, that the Comedy Central would would bring it back. You would think that, but then, but I it also occurred to me. If Comedy Central were going to bring it back, do you think they're going to bring my old yes. crusty ass out yes. of mothballs? Yes. No, they're going to find somebody younger, handsomer, and hipper than me to do that shit. Be like the OG geek. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, you know to- toxic as his reputation is, I will. I, I have to give one bit of credit to Chris Hardwick when he was doing Midnight that he brought Paul Goebel on uh, the show to do an appearance. And when I went in the audience to cheer him on, he remembered me. There you go. He didn't put me on the damn show, but... Yeah, let yeah. it out, Hoyk. Let it out. It's okay. It's all right. Well, These history. podcasts turn into therapy sometimes. It's okay. Well, it's all right. History forgets yeah. a dying yeah, geek. Yeah, yeah. Before it's all said and done, we'll be talking about your mother and father and the, no, and the troubled no. relationships you have there. <laughs> well, well, the re- well, the reason I'm in town is it was my dad's 80th birthday. Oh, God so, bless. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so you came back. Do you come back for the significant, the uh, significant birthdays? Uh yeah. Yeah. Uh, the big ones. So uh, 80s well, big. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the the last major, uh, like, I made a trip back to Cincinnati last fall to help my mom move. And then before that, I think the last major trip I made was back in 2014 for my dad's 75th. Uh-huh. So, so you come back. So, yeah. Well, yeah. you know. You're after, coming back every five now instead of ten. Well, it's, be, yeah. well, it's because I, I, I am, I, you know, I am broke as fuck. If, if, if it took a dime to go around the world, I couldn't stay out of sight. It's, yeah. <laughs> um, I, had, I had a day gig that I sustained. That I took when I first moved to when I first moved to LA. I had worked at the Drexel Theater from I had interned there while I was in college. Walked right into a job, and I was there from like '91 to what pretty much the day I left in '99. And I said, okay, when I get to LA, I am not taking another theater job. I like it. I can do it standing on my head, but it takes everything out of me. I'm not going to have any energy for anything else. But after, I, I was going to get a mailroom gig. I was going to get you know, an agency, something. Something. But then after three, four months, nothing was panning out. I was, uh, I was temping at a bank campus in Chatsworth, and I don't know what I did. I know it involved 401Ks, but I did this five days a week, eight hours a day, and there wasn't a day I didn't fall asleep at my desk. Um, and there was no incentive to work fast because it never stopped. You'd, you'd, you'd go through that whole cart full of folders and they just bring you more. So so when, so finally it was like, 
um, a, a job opened up as assistant manager at the New Art Theater in West L.A. Mm-hmm. And it's a very, very August theater. It's the flagship of the Landmark Theater's chain. A lot of history there. Uh, Pink Flamingos played there for 10 years. Eraserhead played for seven uh, Harder They Come played for three. I mean, midnight shows, you know, not sure. full-time. And, and I was like, okay, I know I can do this. I'm going to take this. And I was there for 14 years, and sure enough, you know, it did kill a lot of my momentum for doing anything outside of there. But then I finally got frog marched out the door in 2013 when for, you say frog marched what do you what do you mean you, they just closed it up or you oh got no, fired they fired me why'd they fire you i pissed off the wrong person who was that uh can you say i they they're nobody that's just it it wasn't like you know some director that i ran afoul of or some executive it's some pissant who was i it Fuck it. It was a midnight show. I was off the clock, but, you know, I'm hanging out to see a movie that I've never seen. I'm sitting in the very back of the theater. I am trying to be as unobtrusive as possible. And some, and the theater is barren, but some guy is standing in the aisle right in my eye line. Uh And it's like, okay. If I were a patron of this theater, I would ask this guy to move. You know, he's impact, impacting my ability to enjoy the movie. He shouldn't be standing there. He should take a seat or go out or something. I ask him to move. He says he's waiting on a phone call. Like, he's got his cell on him. So, I guess if once the cell rings, he's going to leave the lobby and I'm th- I already have a I already have a reputation for being a hothead because look when no. someone when someone recognizes me from the new art theater the first words out of my mouth are I'm sorry I am so damn sorry that I so I <laughs> so I decide okay I've already got a bad rep I need to walk away from this situation so I go back to my seat but apparently he was so rattled by my demeanor and he knew that I worked there that he complained to the home office. Wow. And I I got brought in and I got put on the double secret probation. Uh-huh. And then after about a month and a half, I was, since it, I was an at-will employee, I was uh, let go for failure to improve. Uh, uh, okay, that so, sounds creative. But... You know, it was a fractious marriage. I the, the bloom had fallen off the rose years before. Me and my manager did not get along, but you know, he didn't want to train somebody to do all the work that I did and I didn't have a better gig to go to. Failure to improve. Yeah, failure failure yeah, to improve because you know, right th- what they were thrown by like? was the fact that I did not show remorse for the incident. It sounds very familiar. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds very familiar. It sounds very familiar. Company you keep. The company you keep. Write down that. Write that down. Failure to improve. That's the title of your autobiography. (laughs) Well, no, no. I already know that. Well, Well, I might have more than one autobiography in me. All right, fair enough. But no, my the first my first autobiography, the primary one, because. This has been in my system for years. Sure. When I was living in Columbus, um, I went to see Breakfast at Tiffany's for the first time uh, with the girl I was dating. How old were you? 
Oh, I was in my mid-20s. And it took you that long to see breakfast at Tiffany's? Yeah, well, you know. All right, okay, all right, that's fine. So, and we're at the Ohio Theater, beautiful, ornate, old-school place. Yes, we love and it. And so the mad party scene is taking place, right. and everybody is getting wasted, and hats are catching on fire, people falling out of closets. And I leaned over to my date, and I said, I never get invited to those parties. So that's going to be the title of my autobiography. I never get invited to those parties because okay. that's I like it. going through my history of that. You know, whenever I'm watching something or if I'm either on in a movie or just some weird circumstance or someone's talking about some amazing thing that happened to them, I just say, I never get invited to those parties. So will you do me a favor? Will you will you if make that like just just make that one like the first section of your life and then when you write the latter half of your life make yeah, the title well, make, well, make, make well, the title failure, failure to improve failure is to improve is a brilliant second <laughs> it's a great title. one it's a great title it's follow up. <laughs> failure to improve that's perfect well yeah that you know that if i had just said oh yes i overreacted i came on too strong you know i probably could but i think maybe at that point i had a death wish you know that you i you know, that I wanted to get out of there, but I had no job to. I, you know, I figured, I had a, I was building a reputation with industry people who came in the door. Yeah, they and, loved you. And, yeah, and I figured somebody is gonna hire me out of this hellhole. Well, no, the new art is not a hellhole, but my job there was just, I, you know, I, I was there too long. When they finally fired me, and the, the amusing thing, and I. You know, there's a little bit of an NDA on this, so I can't say who it That's is. That's fine. But I had befriended a director while I was at Newart, and this guy is this, is this part of the NDA? Uh, I can't I can't say his name. Okay, because I think I know who it is, so I won't yeah. say it either. Uh, Can I say it? <laughs> I don't have an NDA. <laughs> no, go ahead. Okay, so um, <laughs> we had stayed in contact, and then he called me up one day. And asked me, well, I missed the call. He left me a message asking if I was busy Saturday, he wanted to see me. And so I called him back and I missed him and left him a message saying, well, you know, uh, I hope I can, I hope I can see you. It's been, you know, good to hear from you. It's been a while. And then a few hours later, I called him back and said, well, I'm going to have a whole lot of time for you because I just got canned. (laughs) And then I wound up uh, doing some projection for him on the side. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, that so it's something that I've done is uh, run movies for people in various venues. I remember know, so. when you were doing that, yeah. And that sounded talk about mm-hmm. being well, invited to a party. I yeah. mean, those screenings. Mm-hmm. I, I remember you telling me about some of those screenings. Those are like you know, yeah. uh, friends of very prominent people, and right. and you're there. Mm-hmm. And and but are you told not? Not to mingle with the guests, are you? Are you? Or, or you? It depends. It depends on the person. Like uh, this guy, you know, who who sought me out, he generally lets me mingle okay. because he he knew that I knew my stuff and that, and it was always kind of like more after the movie <laughs> than before. You know, before he's got he he, he has to put uh, forth. You know the 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 impression, and then and right. then sure, sure. then I can come out and you know you know be it's one kill, of the gang. It's killing me not to say. Can I say what his name rhymes with? <laughs> 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 no, 
No, I won't. I will. I will respect my guest. Yeah. And your. Can we play twenty questions? <laughs> Come on now. Uh, so it's a he. We know that much. Yes, it's a he, and and it's and that's a damn shame because we need more female directors. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah, I want to talk about that yeah. too a little bit as well. I want to. I want to. I want to mm-hmm. get your take on where you think uh, the cinema is oh, yeah. right now, and so forth and so on. But I kind of want to get this this recap as mm-hmm. we go along so you start working at the new beverly cinema yes and you start doing you start writing like you what you call historical pieces about the the films that come there are you writing yes. about the films well or are you writing about the the people in the films are you, it, well there's there's how like, they relate to los angeles well there's three like there's um there's three kind of articles that i write for the new beverly like the standard one that I do is if they've got a double feature playing, I'll write about both movies and provide a little bit of detail about each film and why it's interesting and why you should come see it and why they're why they're playing together, you know, the thematic tissue. Mm-hmm. Um, or sometimes there'll be a larger version of that. Like at the beginning of January, they did a week-long run of The Godfather, but on subsequent nights, they gave it a different second feature of a similar movie that was made at the same time. And right. I wrote a big omnibus about them all. Like, Monday and Sunday and Monday, they played it with the Valachi papers. I was going to say, yeah, Peter uh, Moss, Valachi papers. Yeah, uh, Wednesday and Thursday, they played it with the gang that couldn't shoot straight. And Friday and Saturday, they, they played it with the Don is Dead. Uh-huh. And I wrote a big article about all the movies and how they tied into each other, like the fact that the Valachi papers was published before The Godfather was published. Correct. And that... Dino De Laurentiis was going to sell the Veloci papers to Paramount and they were going to release it after The Godfather and then they got threats and they backed out of the deal and Dino had to go to a fixer in Florida to get the heat off of him so that he could sell it to another studio. Or the fact that Pacino was going to have a small role. Pacino was going to have a role in the gang that couldn't shoot straight. Then he got offered The Godfather. And then meanwhile, De Niro had a tiny role in the first Godfather, and he abandoned that to take Pacino's role in the gang that couldn't shoot straight. But in order for Pacino to do Godfather, uh, Robert Evans had to call in his... his mob lawyer, uh, Sidney Korshak, mm-hmm. to call the head of MGM and say, you know, I can put the lights out in Las Vegas in with one more phone call unless you let Pacino out of his contract to do gang. Uh, so all these all these amazing threads that I tied together into this piece. So Wow. So you have so to do a awesome. considerable amount of research. Yeah. So there's, there's the omnibus pieces like that. There's single film pieces that I write about like uh, when, uh, the day that we're taping this podcast right. uh, the, the, the next two days after this uh, the double feature at the Bev is The Last American Hero with Jeff Bridges and this forgotten film called 43 The Petty Story which has Richard Petty playing himself and Darren McGavin playing his father Ed Petty and Wow. Okay. Yeah, and this was like this was a big hit in the South. Like when it opened in Southern drive-ins, and then in like 
Detroit and Tennessee and California, it did great. And then they opened it nationally and it only did so-so and CBS played it once in prime time and then it just kind of vanished to the four winds. So when this movie got scheduled, my liaison at the theater emailed me and said, uh, Quentin wants you to write about 43, the petty story. He's just like, yes, sir. Because <laughs> so, Quentin owns the New Beverly, right? Yes. That's his, that's his, that's it's his. It's his theater. He doesn't do all the booking, but he approves all the booking. Gotcha. So other people put in stuff, but he has to sign off on it. Gotcha. So, so I, so I, so I look up 43, the petty story, and there's like very little on the web about it. So, I mean, I find as much as I can, and then I go to the Herrick Library in, in, in Hollywood to go through their archive to find more stuff. And then I write this piece because I figure, okay, not only is there nothing about this movie on the web, so this is going to be the first significant thing, but you know, this is going to be the definitive thing about this movie for a long <laughs> while, so I've got to make this really yes. good. So it's not just a matter about writing on the you know the history of the film's production but like there LQ Jones is in the movie playing an antagonist and it's a fictionalized character but I'm like okay well who is this based on there clearly cuz the Petty family had all this uh, input on the movie so there was somebody in their history that pissed them off and I got to find out who it was and you know so now I got to go outside of the world of film and I got to like uh, you know, I got to go on Facebook and say, okay, uh, who follows NASCAR? Uh, who, who knows the history? <laughs> who of- doesn't? <laughs> and like, so Give I, me some Grant I, yeah, so I, I mean, I find somebody who's like, okay, well, uh, I know these are the people that Ed Petty raced and these are the people that Richard Petty raced and. <laughs> So, and, you know, there's enough. Oh, my gosh. But, you know, the, the kind of stuff that you don't find on Wikipedia. But I got to leave it behind for what, the next guy. Well, but then do you add that stuff to Wikipedia? Do you add that to IMDb? Or is it uh, exclusively to? Well, here, here's my deal. Um, if I find something that I think is worth adding, I'll add it later. I would. I, I want. I want a little bit of time where I've got the exclusive. Sure. You know that. Right. Let, you know, let somebody else you know read my article and then add it to Wikipedia because I am the kind of guy who will, of my own volition, go to IMDb and add missing credits or correct them. You know where, where there's just there, like I will like find uh, an upload or a bootleg of a movie and I will cut right down all of the credits and then transcribe them to IMDB that I am trying to make the path easier for the next historian after me. Sure. Why don't you uh, why don't you add some bullshit to my end? Uh, my IMDB page uh, something a little more uh, flattering. Well, I mean, and, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think I augmented the. Um, oh, don't say you know, it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Bottom feeders uh, uh, listing. Oh, I don't mind bottom feeders. I think you're going to talk about the other movie. Oh, 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 oh no, no. Uh, uh, honey, I sacrificed the kids. <laughs> 
that, that would have been a great title for it. I well, did suggest that one. We'll, we'll leave that one be. Oh, well, we'll let no, that well, one set for well, a moment. Okay, well. I really it, don't want to bring that one up. Well, I, let me say this about that film. Oh, okay. Well, if you must. Well, I, I must because, well, first off, that movie brought us together. Well, yeah, it brought us a, together, but we knew each other prior to that, I thought. What's it no, really called? No, no, no. That's, I, what, I that's, did, what, that's I, what, that. It was working right, on that movie that I got into your orbit. Yes. Okay. Well, and, really and Whitney and I were also in the film program together, so we were in a lot of the same classes. So, so you know, that movie united the three of us. But, like, and I, that's how we got involved in the in the documentary. Okay. And see, I it's it was such a. I don't want. What's the word I want to use? Painful. <laughs> no, at the time it was a great experience. Yes. But in hindsight. I, I think I've kind of You won't even out. tell me what the name I think, of it I think is. Because I'm not even sure what the name of it is anymore. Uh, yeah. This is a project you worked on yes. a long, long time ago. And it's been, uh, you know, being something being uh, worked it, on I mean, forever. And supposedly it's co- it's finally coming out. The working Flag. title of the film was Fallen Angels. They've toyed with other titles. They There's enough so distance that it, that it might go back to that now that... Uh, there was a big explosion that never got filmed, and now, thanks to the miracle of CGI, oh, sure, I think yeah. they faked it. So this is a twenty-year-old. Oh film no, this 30. is this is older than that. No, yeah, well, and, and now mean, gonna, it was it was nineteen eighty-nine. Nineteen eighty-nine. Yeah, it's but, not but good. It look like well, a VHS tape, well, recording, good. isn't it? Well, I mean, and, and compared did, to some of the stuff I've seen, it might actually hold up better. And it's campy now; it would be yeah. considered very campy and if you look at it that way as campy but at the time we were doing it we were all very serious oh, sure. well, it, oh very 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 well, serious he, well very serious we, we had this fine dramatic fair we had a, fair we had a fighting here. chance of getting a uh, distribution because um in in 89 you could still be a regional filmmaker and if you had enough polish to your product you'd get a decent home video deal maybe even a brief theatrical deal and you yeah. you and I think the and working... now and now a lot of those films are being revived. You know, there are these like boutique labels that actively look for regional cinema, mm-hmm. like and, a cult, cult type of. Well, well, film. I don't, I don't oh, quite. Uh, yeah, it could fall. It, it 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 could it could fall into that category only because at the time we shot it. All right, and the movie it's on my IMDb IMDb yeah. page. I can't I can't I can't I ignore it, it or disavow it. It's on there right now. It's called Blood Church. I think. Okay, yeah. I think it's called Blood that, Church. That's the one they've been going that's with. That's the one they're going. And uh, the Scream Queen, as they called them. Uh, and Linnea Quigley. It was, she, and they she, got her for three days. And she was the hot Scream yeah. Queen at the time. Mm-hmm. So that was like a like a coup. Yes. We got her for three days. Once it was announced that we got her, all these people were saying, well, we want to see this when it's finished because you know, we love her and we think we can get something. So as the film was limping slowly towards completion long after she had done her time and left me in my naive altruistic nature thought okay we've got to get this film finished so i put in a thousand dollars that you know i had accumulated from when you know i got my first savings account at age 13 and you know my father is watching all of this oh my god and of course now that we know the film has not been officially finished or released 
he saw me lose my my thousand dollars on that movie, and sure. consequently, he's he has never invested in a film sure. after that. So, still, he's still pissed. Well, he's not pissed. He just like, oh, he know he he's very much an OPM guy. Other people's money uh-huh. is like, if you can't convince somebody else to get behind your project, it's probably doomed. Now, of course. The converse to that is a lot of people say, well, if you're not going to put your own ass on the line for this project, why should I you know, risk mine? So it's this eternal conundrum. Heartland of Darkness? Okay. That was, anoth- that that was another working title. title. And there's, yeah, uh, oh, I got to admit, I love Wakes, Honey, I Sacrificed the Kids is uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. still a winner with me, though. It would never yeah. be that. That would be hysterical well, if it and, was. And, well, and since it was about a demonic cult, I was also thinking sects. Wise and videotape. Nice, <laughs> nice, nice. Oh, look I, at I'm you. an idea man. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> You're celebrating 20 years of living in Los Angeles, California, a city that is notoriously known for uh, spitting out those mm-hmm. who who don't make it after five or ten years, and yet you have stayed and maintained. What do you? What's the secret to your longevity in staying in that city? In an industry that you obviously want to stay in and be in and and uh, continue to do something really grand in, though I think the things that you've done so far mm-hmm. are grand and 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 notable. What what how, how have you just, how have you managed to stay there in 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 the status that you're in? Oh well, I mean, it's been difficult. Uh, I've do you love L.A.? Yes. Uh, unequivocally, um, I, you know, when I was when I was home for my dad's birthday, and I was talking with uh, some of my extended family this about is what, most recent one. Yes, the eighty. Yeah, okay. right. yeah, the big eighty. And I was talking with my extended family about you know some of the hardships that I've been having. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were saying, "Well, why don't you move back to Cincinnati?" And I'm thinking, you. Know, y- after you've seen Paris, you can't go back to the farm, mm-hmm. uh, and because that there in L.A., I am within my element in terms of like being able to go to old movies constantly. Right. That there was a halcyon time from about uh, 2007 to well 2017 where there were about you know, two fierce venues that were doing really great repertory programming and where I had parlay that I could get in for free and and just seeing amazing stuff happen that wasn't being done anywhere else and also you know making making a lot of friends having a having a support system of uh, other artists, musicians, actors, uh, people, you know, people on, on in various scenes. Like one of my monthly gigs is I work door for a speakeasy. Nice, and it's it's populated by middle middle aged goths, fetish people. Oh yeah. A yeah. Spe- okay, not my kind of speakeasy then. Well, I yeah, but I mean, <laughs> but. <laughs> You had me at speakeasy, but and then beautiful. you lost me at gun. No, but they're God. beautifully dressed. Oh, oh my I'm sure God. they are. Oh, they, 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 I mean, they're out for an evening on the town. You know, they, you know, the, that, you know, they, they've made an effort to 
you know, dress for for the night, and and the the, the acts that get put on are amazing. I don't get to see any of them because I'm outside, right. but I'm part of something different and unique that that you know. May I'm sure there are people in other parts of the country trying to do this sort of thing, and maybe they're having success. I don't know. But if I tried to come back to Ohio, be it Columbus or Cincinnati, there'd be some people that I still know, but I'd be starting from zero again. You know? Mm, you think? And, well, I mean, you're, you're bringing our, you're bringing a lot of history and a lot of experience back with you so you're not really starting at zero well don't get me wrong i don't want you to come back yeah i mean just i would love for you to come back no i know exactly i would love for you to come back look it, but it, because uh, and it leads to my next question um are you lonely out there because some of your best friendships are still here in yes. central ohio it gets lonely sometimes. Do you have uh, friends out there? I mean, I've close got, friends. Yes. Okay. Good. I got. I, I, I have worry. close. I have close <laughs> friends. I get to see them on a regular basis. Uh, I don't have a girlfriend. I really want to fix that. Uh, it's. It's well, di- I'm sure with the 17 people that'll watch this podcast <laughs> on YouTube, <laughs> I, think, I think I think I think your streak is about to end, my friend. I think. <laughs> I think things are going to change dramatically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> After this goes on YouTube, mm-hmm. look out. Failure to improve. <laughs> yeah. No more. No more. <laughs> no, yeah. but I, I, you know, I, I do. I mean, through the years, we've stayed in touch, mm-hmm. sometimes more regularly than others. But I've, I've, always, I've always worried about you, and, and then I've always admired you for sticking it out because I know there were times where you thought you were going to pull up stakes and, and actually come back and then well, you you stubbornly mm-hmm. uh, held your ground yeah well I you know I was before I came to do the podcast tonight I was hanging out with uh, uh, an ex-girlfriend of mine and you're talking about roughly the same thing you mm-hmm. know what what keep what keeps me there when you know the city chews up so many other people and they and they come back so to and, quote another movie are you going to live and die in LA <laughs> um I will likely live and die in L.A., but I am going to have my remains uh, buried in my family's vacation spot in uh, the U.P. of Michigan, which leads me to another great uh, movie title, Those Who Love Me Can Take the Train. <laughs> nice, nice, very nice. If that doesn't work out in the U.P., you can, uh, you can bring them here. Oh well, I'd be more than happy to house. Pond. I could be more than happy <laughs> yeah, yeah. to house your ass well, ashes here at, uh, at Casa Tripod. Well, I mean, uh, well, I'll put you downstairs I, with my dog and my cat and I, Hoik. Well, I always, I always had, I always Annie liked Eakin that. Hoik. I always liked that John Barrymore story about you know when you know, they, when his friends uh, stole his body from mm-hmm. the funeral home and they you know took him out to the to the pub and right. you know set him up with a drink and they were you know having a wake while he was there. You know that yeah, I what. You know, if 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 you know if if decomposition wasn't an issue, then you know you know bring me out for all the festive occasions. I want to go back to a word you mentioned earlier in the podcast. Uh, you say you say you're a hothead. Well, not so much anymore. I've no, but I, I've never known you to be a hothead. What what you describe as hothead, I I see as as passionate. Yes, and uh, aggressive about mm-hmm. what you love, mm-hmm. and and pretty much you know outspoken about what you care about, 
how do you how do you think that translates in, into being a hothead? Well, it doesn't. You don't strike me as an as an angry. You never struck me as an angry young man, <laughs> and you don't strike me as an angry middle aged man. Well, I think a lot of my passion does not jibe with corporate culture. Okay, and you know the new art so is a be- is a beautiful place, and Landmark was a good you know, organization when I worked for them, but they are a corporation and consequently they have their ways of doing things. Are you telling me, Mark Hoyt, that you're not corporate material? No. (laughs) (laughs) Is that what you're saying? Uh, We don't think you're really Bushwood material. Very funny. (laughs) Very funny. Yes. That, that there would be, uh, you know, certain, you know, that like, you know, much like stand-up, that when people would show up 20 minutes late after the feature had started sure. and, you know, want to get in, and, you know, I I would, after a little wrangling, I'd let them in, and, you know, I would inevitably say something like, ah, can we get you anything else? Like a goddamn watch. watch. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. And, you know, people did not appreciate that you know that i that i had a reputation as you know the the surly guy at the new art you know like if back when the imdb had message boards i would look periodically look under my name and there would be people who would be who had come to the new art for something and they'd run afoul of me and they'd be talking smack about me and you know like usually i would play along with it and i would you know, reply back, oh, yeah, someone ought to take him into the back and beat the shit out of him. <laughs> but, How you know, people, and, but eventually, you know, corporate people don't have a sense of humor. Well, they're I think that goes, they're going to lose 10 bucks. Back, but to what you were saying, though, too, is, uh, some of that, I think, is you're not a dick in reality. You don't seem to yeah, be a dick to me. But, but you're uh, maybe the, the, a smarter man than most people in the room. And that's, I think, when, when you have a bunch of idiots. Uh, no, and in. I also think that people are threatened by that. Right. Well, well, I, I, I do have. Well, look. First off, I mean, I'm in a jocular situation right here. But if you saw me on the street, you know, just being myself, I've got a resting murder face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I've got the I've got whiskey the, business on Instagram, yeah. ladies and like, gentlemen. I've got. <laughs> I've got like. See, I've never heard anybody describe themselves that way. With I've heard resting bitch face, resting asshole face. <laughs> Rest, That's never resting murder bit. face. Well, I mean, look, I, I mean, like, I I'm, hope I hear that on ID Discovery Channel something. <laughs> he had a resting murder face. You know, I, I, it was I, only a matter of time before wear, he would kill again. I wear black, tre- <laughs> like, I wear black trench coats, you know, because I like how they billow at my feet, like I'm a, like I'm in a western. Um, <laughs> Like the reason I keep the reason I keep my hair long because is, you can. God bless your hair. But you also have magnificent hair. hair. Yeah, I was just magnificent hair, hair, ladies out. and gentlemen. But, but Mark but, Hoyt, but if you're all, if you if you yes. if you're just listening to this, go to the YouTube channel and and look at his magnificent hair, which you have cut <laughs> and you you cut it. You 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 sold your hair. Well, that's the thing. You got sold it. You donated your hair. Well, when I was thirty, when I was thirty five, I had this weird thing where I, I, you know, my hair was long enough. I shaved my head and donated it it to locks of love. Awesome. And I'm happy for, you know, whoever got my hair and all of, with all of its gray highlights. But consequently, when I shaved my head and watched it grow back, my own father 
asked me, how the hell did you get through airport security? (laughs) That if I shave my head, I look like a thug from a soap opera. You see, with my hair is long, I look like a large, friendly dog. You can't. It was like, (laughs) you're cool. Let's throw a ball. You do not look like a large, friendly dog. (laughs) You do not. No, no, no. Okay. Look, we're we're drinking true story here. Uh, I'm at the Roosevelt. I would expect nothing less. I'm at the Roosevelt Hotel during uh, TCM week with uh, my my best female friend. Are those fun? Oh God, they're amazing. I see them. I see them advertised all the time. I got. And, and oh, like, it's uh, incredible. People come from all over the country to see old movies. We get me in. Uh, well, I don't. I don't have an in. I would. You don't have an in at TCM? No. Nah. We gotta fix that. I, I I know one programmer at TCM because she played one of my favorite movies. All right, uh, but which was uh, Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker. <laughs> you sure you're not a murderer? <laughs> uh, no. Well, it rhymes. Yeah. Oh, oh no, it's a pleasant it's, murderer. No, it's with uh, Susan Tyrell and Bo Svensson and Jimmy McNichol. It's Walking Tall, Bo Svensson? Yeah, okay. and he plays a villain in this movie. And it's like, I think, the first villain character he ever played. So anyone who is used to watching him in Walking Tall, when they see him on screen, they're thinking, oh, Buford Puffer's here. He's yeah. going to solve everything. And they're like, no, oh, no. no. He's, he's night- not come to help. He's come to use that big stick on me. <laughs> he's the nightmare maker. Yeah. Because mm. uh, I, I wrote about it for the Bev. Uh, they played it a, about a year and a half ago, and I wrote a full-length article about it. Uh, and it's because I used to own a print of that movie, and then I got into money trouble, and I had to sell it to somebody else. You have you have, you have I actually- have I have a 35-millimeter collection. I have yeah, about, you do. Yeah, that's amazing. I have like about- over 200 trailers and uh, 20 feature prints and some selected shorts. And, like, uh, I think the the two crown jewels of my collection, I have a print of Night of the Living Dead. Wow. Which, you know, even though they've done a restoration on DCP, uh, prints of Night of the Living Dead are pretty valuable because the film fell out of copyright. So if you got a print, you can basically play it and make money with right. it because you're not paying anybody for right. a licensing fee. We did that. That was our that was our first uh that's the first film we did on uh Night Out Theater when we started mm-hmm. uh, showing them in the theaters with Fritz. Uh, it was our first film was Night of Living Dead and part of the reason was mm-hmm. uh, we didn't have to worry about it cuz right. it fell out of copyright. Yeah. And also they're just now they're starting a, a George Romero tour in Pittsburgh, I think uh, cuz he he's mm-hmm. from there. So they're starting all that. So maybe that's something that you could. Well, you know, you I've know. I've loaned it out for other screenings before, and my my other you've loaned it. You've loaned it out. You didn't charge them. Well, so far the only people who have borrowed it have been friends of mine. So, and I have gotten free prints in return from other people. I got so you. Okay. it's a very karmic thing. Okay, all right. Like when it's, I was doing it's when the, I was, it's it, you're bartering. Yes, you. Know, Oh, yeah. I'll let you. Lo- I'll loan this to you if you give me. Mm-hmm. And exactly. So because so uh, uh, I, I mean that was one of the things that ingratiated me with Quentin before I started working for him was that back in 2007 to promote Grindhouse at that time he didn't own the Bev. You know the the original owner still had it. He he passed away in 2007. That's why Quentin took it over. Um, but. 
So he booked he he four-walled the theater for two months with all of his favorite grindhouse movies. And one of the movies he played was Tunnel Vision, which was this big sketch comedy movie from the mid-70s. I remember that one. I remember going to the drive-in to see that one. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's all these people who went on to become famous yeah. in there. You've got Betty Thomas, Joe Flaherty, John yeah. Candy, Chevy Chase. And when Tunnel Vision originally played in theaters, there was a bonus short attached to it, which was an animated cartoon of Cheech and Chong's Basketball Jones. And I had the cartoon in 35 millimeter. So when Quentin was doing uh, the Grindhouse Fest, and I, you know, I said, "Oh, I've got Basketball Jones. You know, I'm going to loan it to you because you should run it before Tunnel Vision, like the good old days." And they did. And then a few months later, I'm outside of a bar that is no longer in Los Angeles, one of the the better L.A. bars called Bar 107. And, like, I'm in, and then I stepped out, and Quentin's across the street having a smoke with some other people. And, I mean, he's seen me at the New Art and and other functions, but we don't really know each other that well. At at this particular time. So yes, yeah. so I step out and he's like, "Oh hey, I know you." It's like, uh, "Yeah, I yeah, I, yeah, yeah." You borrowed my, my copy God. of Basketball Jones. Like, oh my God, that was you! And then we went back in the place and we closed it. So, nice. and I think that was the turn the the turning point in Very my cool. relationship with him. Cheech and Chong, Cheech and Chong, Quentin Tarantino. Well, he ha- he has his own print of Basketball Jones, and I still have mine. And yeah, you could you could you could probably drop a lot of names well, other than Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, I mean, and, and the thing that, is, is that your I, style, I don't drop names to try and impress people. No, I don't it's think you like, would. It's you like, know, I am still a 13-year-old kid who is amazed that I get to keep company with all of the, these people who do amazing stuff. And it is not just people who are famous that, like... Um, you know, my best female friend is an archivist who does a podcast, and it's a great one. And my best male friend is this amazing musician who has produced—he he does his own stuff, and he produces records for other people, artists who haven't recorded for 40-plus years that he coaxed back into the studio. That I'm, I just get to be among really inspirational people— while I'm in Los Angeles. Which is why I think, you know, we joked about the titles of the mm-hmm. books, but have you put anything into book form at this, you know, at, at this point in your life? I mean, you you have, you have not book, you have books that you could write uh, based on your experiences in Los Angeles over the last 20 years and the run-ins that you've had with people and uh, the things that you've done. Uh, and there's a lot of people who love inside tracks mm-hmm. as, as you probably have discovered oh, yeah. with your blog and your DVD mm-hmm. commentaries and so forth and so on. When's, when are we going to see a Hoyt book? Uh, well, when, well, for starters, when somebody will give me an advance to write it so that I don't have to, you know, worry about my rent. <laughs> yeah, I understand. But you could, you could still work on it and, oh. and put it out there and query and so I, forth and so on. And then if you have a book, you know, not to drop mm-hmm. Mr. Tarantino's name yeah. again, but he probably knows somebody. Sometimes Hoyt, you just got to ask. Well, the, when, you, when, you, when are, you're Quentin Tarantino, everybody wants something out okay. of you. If, All right. if I think 
I would like to think that one of the reasons but I have a decent relationship with him is that I'm the one guy who's not gave, posing not, not like an Egyptian hieroglyphic. I'm not asking for anything, but he's probably being asked by people who have things and have done things and are asking for more. Maybe, maybe he turns around and says, this guy's never asked me for a goddamn thing in all the time I've known him. And all he wants is a connection to a potential publisher for a book about something I love. Well, I... Mm, I, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, when uh, you put it like I, that, well, yeah, yeah, uh. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm playing the long game. I understand. <laughs> I understand. Because, yeah, uh, uh, all right, I, I I can't quite go into detail about it, but I have a very tiny presence in the next Quentin movie. Okay. Wow. The one that uh, Once Upon a Time. Yes. Oh, all right. It's got okay. All the fancy people in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, you know, when they were going over Los Angeles and recreating all of these lost period locations, it was such a beautiful thing. It just made me wish, oh, I know, I want this film to be finished, but couldn't somebody just keep doing this, like make a TV series and then restore this location for a week or so? And because I, like, I wrote a list of, 10 locales that they didn't use that I wish they would have used in, in L.A. I want to touch upon, and I say touch, and I, I'm sorry because mm-hmm. we're running out of time because there's, there's a yeah. couple of things I want, I want to ask you. Um, uh, the DVD commentaries, which you've been doing for years as well. Yes. Uh, the most recent one is... Uh, uh, you, well, the most working, recent, uh, the most, the, the biggest one I've done so far is uh, Mac and Me. Mac and Me. Uh, which, if you're not familiar with it, it's a ripoff of, of E.T. E. Yeah. that had major uh, sponsorial support from Coca-Cola and McDonald's. Duh, Mac. Yeah. yeah. That, right. that, that basically this producer figured out that you know, Ronald McDonald was one of the most well-recognized people in the world and that you know, if you could got, get money. some sort of merchandising tie-in money. with him, you could... And they approached this uh, filmmaker named Stuart Rayful, who had already done some really cool movies. He did a movie called High Risk with uh, James Brolin and Ernest Borgnine that I really love. And they, you know, they said, "Can you come up with uh, a story?" I think they wanted to do. I don't know if they had that they wanted to do an ET modeled story, but but they came to him at the last minute to do it, and he, and he you know cranked it out really fast and they shot it really fast and it's a it's a it's a fun whacked uh, little movie and shout factory put it out on dvd last summer and i did that commentary it did, didn't it didn't it do rather well when it first came out in theaters no it didn't do well in theaters but it did okay on home video okay. and cable right. see, and I then watching well, it, yeah, well what uh, happened is paul rudd well well that was, was a it. fan of the movie and so every time he would do a talk an appearance on conan o'brien to plug a movie <laughs> instead of showing a clip from the movie <laughs> he was show. plugging they would just <laughs> show a clip from oh, mac, mac and me, me. the same Specific clip of somebody of uh, a wheelchair. Uh, of the, the, iPhone. Yeah, because yeah. it's about a kid in a wheelchair who meets an alien, <laughs> and so they showed the same clip of the kid in a wheelchair <laughs> spiraling off a cliff into a, into a body of water, and 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 so naturally, when people found out I was working on the Mac and Me Blu-ray, they were saying, "Oh, are you going to get Paul Red?" Um, 
He's busy, busy. right He's now. He's busy right now. But wait, what, did we cover why you specifically for that spe- specific movie? Just because you're a movie buff? Well, or you, what's the you, connection? You know what? How I got it is because uh, the producer on that particular Blu-ray had been one of the geeks on Beat the Geeks. Ah. It was Antonio Lopez, who was the Simpsons geek on Beat the Geeks, remembered me, and he knew that I knew stuff, and he was like, all right, I'm working on the Mac and Me Blu-ray, and I, you know, would you want to do, if I can get you past all the other people at Shout Factory, would you do moderate a commentary with the director? And I, and I said, hell yes. And I've done... Another commentary for Shout Factory. They haven't announced it yet, so I can't announce it ahead of that's, time. It's a great tease. That's fair. That's fair. It's a but good tease. I well, like well the other. We'll big, keep an eye out. Like the other, like most of the DVD commentaries I've done have been for really small drive-in films on small labels. But the other big studio thing I did was I did <laughs> I did a Blu-ray commentary for V.I. Warshawski with uh, its director Jeff Canoe. With Kathleen Turner? Yes. Yeah. And that from was... The, from the Sarah Paretsky novel. Yes. Yeah. And, that, and that was a fun uh, I'm talk. A mystery, I'm a mystery guy. I, I, oh, I, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a great uh, character which, which mm-hmm. was not done justice on film. Right. Yet. I, I can't believe that they haven't come back to that well because that's a great mm-hmm. female character. You mentioned something earlier in the podcast I want to come back to. Not enough female directors. We're getting more female directors, but you still say there's not enough female directors. Mm-hmm. And, and and one of my big questions for you is, um, where do you think the the state of movie making is right now? I mean, as far as, far as what we're getting and what we're seeing. Um, do you think we're, we're losing touch or you think we're coming back to something? I think we're in a period of transition and transition periods are always very difficult because, you know, there's going to be resistance. Because like we, you, you listen to the podcast. We mm-hmm. talked about what I consider to be the greatest decade of movies ever. We talked about the 70s. Oh, yes. All right. Oh, okay. God. And the 70s about the 70s. So and, and some people say, oh, the 80s had some of the best movies. Everybody's got their favorite decade. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that part of it is when you grew up and what you yes. saw. So that's why you identify with certain films. Um, but someone like myself and someone like you who able, who's able to go back and look at mm-hmm. bodies of work through the decades can can be a little more discerning as far as what they consider to be the best. So um, where are we now? I mean, as, as far in your opinion, as far as movies being made, and do you think that the smaller films are, are, are getting their due? Do you, do, you, do you think you could still make a relevant quality movie without, you know, the big Hollywood machine behind it? I think you can. Um, when I did my top 13 for the year, because, um, you know, and you still do that? I, I do it on the blog. Okay. Uh, a lot of the movies on my top 13 were not major studio films, that they were no. you know, smaller indies and quite a few uh, directed by women and not even trying to, like, uh, break out. You know, that this, like, my number two movie of the year that, that, w- that when I talk about, most people have no idea what I'm talking about, is a movie called Madeline's Madeline. And it's, and 
I'm forgetting the woman who directed it and the the girl who stars in it. They're both amazing, <laughs> and I've, I've had way it too was much really to drink. Fucking good. <laughs> but well, no. What I can say, it's like the the the, the name actresses that are in it are uh, um, Molly Parker and Miranda July, and it's about it, it's about like the artistic process and when. Someone inspires someone. What happens when are they co-opting their story and turning it into something else? You know, a lot of deep shit. Oh, thank you. You've just put it in front of my head. So the director is Josephine Decker, and uh, the lead actress is Helena Howard. Oh my God! Thank you for that because they they should be they should be trumpeted because they're so damn good uh, that. You know, that, that this woman made this movie just trying to do her thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and luckily she sold it to a distributor that knew what they had. They made the single greatest trailer of 2018. I mean, they made the kind of trailer where I saw that and I was like, that motherfucker better get a raise. And he's not a trailer maker. He's like an abstract artist. But they said, oh, Yo, let's hire this guy to make the promo, and that. So to answer uh, in roundabout no, answering we're, your we're, question, no, we're, we're getting that. There. I think that there is really interesting and great stuff happening. It's not having the easiest time finding its way to market. You that if you want it, you've got to make a little bit of effort to find it. I see more. I see more female directors on television as that, of late that than is I've a, ever seen. I mean, and Michelle McNamara made her bones on Breaking Bad and just did amazing work there. Uh, and know, Patty Jenkins has oh, currently yeah. got the TNT show that's mm-hmm. running as we speak that just started with Chris Pine. I am the yeah. I am the and uh, Lexi Alexander has been doing uh, Supergirl and other shows. Right. Be, uh, you know, even though she did like you know two of the most you know brilliantly brutal movies of uh, the knots, which were Green Street Hooligans and uh, Punisher Warzone. Um, you know that you know that there are. There are all sorts of people on the margins, you know, women directors, but you know, you know, directors of color, you know, of of other sure. that you, you that you're gonna have to make the effort to find them because they don't necessarily have the infrastructure that they can only boost them so high. You know that if if you're on Twitter and you're following the right people, you'll hear about them. But at some point, you're gonna have to want to look for them. But if you go looking for them, you're gonna be so Bloody well rewarded. I have one last thing to ask you. It's kind of a hoik fun fact, if you will. All right. You know, you talk about your 20 years in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. struggling financially from time to time. But are you not, Mark Hoik, sitting perhaps, God bless your father for being 80 mm-hmm. years of age, are you not sitting on a turkey empire as we speak? <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm talking oh, about. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking your about. Your father. Well, well, technically, it's my great-grandmother. Your great-grandmother. But it, it's, it's still a Hoik product mm-hmm. that you can find still. 
Yes. In stores as we speak, Mm -hmm. especially around the Thanksgiving holiday. Yes. What did they invent? My great-grandmother, Matilda Eisenlohr Hoyk, and my name is Mark Edward Hoyk, Mm -hmm. so I'm de facto named after her. Right. You're the M.E. Hoyk. Uh, (laughs) Yes. That is correct. My, you know, Matilda Eisenlohr Hoyk invented and patented the turkey lacer. The turkey lacer. Yes, ladies and gentlemen. That is, if nothing else is a takeaway tonight, this, this as we close. As as, uh, my friend, uh, film critic Dave White said, I am the Paris Hilton of kitchen gadgets. (laughs) Yes, you are. The Hoyk turkey lacer. Yes. You sit on that empire. Well, the <laughs> empire... <laughs> well, the, 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 the problem is that in the knots, my father sold the company to other people. What? The Hoik name exists. The, the Hoik name remains. Um, and the turkey lacer remains <laughs> it, around Thanksgiving and Christmas. You'll see the big yellow card I see with it the every turkey year. on it. I, I, and I smile. Yes. And when, I buy one every once in yes, a while, even when, though I don't lease a turkey. <laughs> yes. When you think of hot meat, think of M.E. Hoyk. <laughs> M.E. Hoyk. <laughs> but, uh, no, the, the entire kitchen gadget company got sold to another person, a very good person who has kept the name alive and is still in contact with my dad, was present for my dad's 80th there birthday. Nice, there you but go. for for all practical purposes, <laughs> there are no actual Hoiks running the Hoik Kitchen Gadget Company. Oh. But my name is still on my name is still there. It's Yo, still it's still barbecue a part. tools, it's, can openers. Yes. I'll be damned. It's Yo. a part of history. It's a part of kitchen history. Yes. <laughs> if you look in your drawer tonight, yes. in your kitchen drawer, you will likely find something with my name on there it. There you go. And you got no piece of that. No. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, buddy, I could talk to you for another hour and then some, but I, I want to say okay. what a what a what a treat. First oh, of all, just to see been... you, because because I know you're going back to L.A. tomorrow, mm-hmm. and you're going to hang here at my house until you have to drive back yes. to Cincinnati. So we'll talk some more mm-hmm. afterwards. That should be recorded as well. Oh yeah, <laughs> but. Um, let's uh, let's 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 tell people let's let people know how they can read and see all things Hoyk. The projector has been drinking. It yes. is once again. Mm-hmm. Say it. Uh, projector has been drinking. Blogspot.com. Okay, and what about the stuff you write for the New Beverly Cinema? Uh, go to uh, thenewbev.com slash blog, and that's, you know, you, you'll, you'll have to scroll down, and then, you know, it says click for more, click for more, and, you know, you'll see my stuff pop up there. And on the projector has been drinking, uh, do you make note of all of the DVDs you do commentary on? Um, well, how, how do I, I don't. I don't necessarily make note of all the DVDs there, but I can tell you right now the the most recent st- titles I've done: uh, Mac and Me, Vi Warshawski, Steel Arena. I've got one more coming out through Shout Factory. Um, uh, let's just uh, say uh, we were talking about Cheech and Chong. Half of them are involved in that commentary. Nice. So nice. Boom. Very nice. Half of them. You can also find me on Twitter. Yes. At What's it? Uh, 
V underscore H O Y K because I use my phonetics the sure. phonetic spelling because my name is spelled H E U C K and nobody ever gets it right unless you buy the turkey laser. <laughs> unless, <laughs> yeah, so Are you on the Instagram? But can, the Hoik, yeah, uh, and, that's, and that's what we uh, affectionately no call Instagram. you. We affectionately uh, be, call uh, because uh, I use a razor phone. So until somebody that is going is to add a couple more zeros to my paycheck, that is amazing. Um, and uh, I, I I just have to throw this out because I got to ask you on all the years on uh, Sunny. Yeah. Uh, did you ever have to do this? Tonight's forecast is going to be a blistering five below zero, so fill up with BP unleaded. It's the only gasoline with fuel fuel line freeze up. You go or BP pays the tow. Yes, we had that. We had that. That is my that, ringtone that right is now. Because before your time, play it but that but that played that played over the years during uh, uh, weather and forecast. Yeah. I, I remember that. I do remember that. Yeah, so on a cart. Sounder. On a cart. <laughs> on a cart. Yes. Um, our guest. What do you think of the new riff? By the way. Oh my God! This is so delicious. The, the 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 new riff single barrel. I am the new. That's our been our guest by the new riff single barrel. Uh, it's got a nice high I sh- ride. I content. shared the one you gave to uh, to me with my buddies. We loved it. But yeah, this, this is. Uh, it's well, well it's you know the thing is with a single barrel, every bottle is going to be just a little bit different because hence the name single barrel. They're all made just a little bit different. You'll see different proofs. This one's one hundred eleven point eight oh, that explains proof. It. <laughs> uh, I was going to say other, this is a little bit hotter than the, the, what I was well, drinking before. Yeah, it's, uh, it, and the other bottle I have in there, I believe, is one hundred and ten proof. Okay, big deal, mm-hmm. big difference there. But uh, uh, I think it's I think it's uh, really smooth, and, but but also a little savory. A little spicy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got a nice high rye content, about thirty percent rye, and uh, new riff is is doing amazing things. I like the music theme. In the the it's music, music theme. Oh, the riff. You know, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. You see the, yeah. You see the little music. Um, uh, it's good but stuff. But it's the hook that brings you back. It's the, always the hook that brings you. Oh, look at Hoyk's making himself laugh. <laughs> uh, also, um, let me just say that uh, again. Aside from being just a guest on the podcast, I can't tell you how happy I am to have you here as my friend. Mm-hmm. I miss you. Uh, it's so good to see you. I'm glad we we're able to work this out. Yes. We actually bumped the guest tonight and moved him to tomorrow night. We're going to do back-to-back podcasts so we could accommodate you. Mm-hmm. And I, I think am very I, grateful. No, 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 no. I think it was well worth it every, every, every second of it because I think people need to know what you do. And also, thank you for being... Um, a supporter and fan of whiskey business. You have mm-hmm. promoted us from the get-go, and you've and you've also been a big uh, supporter of, of me. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you've you've written things over the years that have kind of touched my heart and and just made me smile. And I thank you for that because you're just you're just a class act, dude. Well, well, you're just a class. You. You're a good friend. You're a class act, and you are, as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, one of those bonds. Started early, and cemented itself early. Maybe unbeknownst to me at the time, but something that shows itself and is realized as we sit across from each other tonight. So thank you. Our guest has been Mark Hoyk, the guest bottle, New Rift Single Barrel. Um, 
You can check out Mark Hoyk on The Projector Has Been Drinking and so many other things, which we will put uh, for, for you guys to see. But uh, check that out. That's the main one, The Projector Has Been Drinking, yeah, right? That's that's all mine. That's all you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also want to thank uh, our video producer, John Whitney. Check out our YouTube channel. And also, of course, our audio producer, Greg Hansberry, who uh, does a wonderful job each and every time with the podcast. And we have uh, Facebook for you to check out, right? Yep. Uh, just do all the do all the business, Hansberry, right, as you so, always uh, do. Yeah, Facebook, uh, just search for Whiskey Business. Uh, Whiskey Business Podcast on Instagram. YouTube is a lot of fun, especially today, because we want to make sure that we can see. Uh, no, the you resting, gotta see. You yeah. gotta murder see the resting face. murder face. <laughs> you have to see resting murder face. Uh, that's uh, <laughs> just search on YouTube whiskey business with Dino Chapotis. Yes, and uh, subscribe on iTunes or wherever you uh, you know listen to your podcast. But if you're on iTunes, rate and review us. Yes, because you know we w- we want to spread the love. We want to spread the so love. We've got uh, Mark Hoyk tonight. We've got more great guests coming up. In the weeks to come, some uh, Oscar reviews coming up. We got uh, we got our Both annual our buddies, Oscar uh, review with George Wolf, Wolf and Hope Madden. Um, we've got uh, a friend from Jack Daniels showing up on the podcast. We have the superintendent of Ohio Liquor Control coming back on the show next oh, week. Oh, uh, James Canepa. He's a he's a heated character. He's a heated yeah, character. Yeah, and, love him. Or yeah, because like Ohio is busting people now <laughs> for secondary market sales. So we'll ask him about that and more things. Um, my name is Dino Tripotis, and this is Whiskey Business, the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Again, many thanks to John Whitney, Greg Hansberry, and to you folks as well for tuning in. And so until the next bottle, see you. Coming up on 5-Minute News. I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased, and essential world news daily.